If you're a parent, there are two words that can irritate you. Two words that children dread. I can remember hearing those two words often from my kids as they were growing up. And now I hear it from my grandkids. Here are the two words. I'm bored. You ever heard those? If you have children, you've heard them. And when you look at them, you think, what do you mean you are bored? What do you mean that there's nothing that can stimulate your thinking or your actions or your movements or your mind? Especially today, there are screens everywhere, which I have much to say about, but not this morning. But there's involvement with those games. And if the games go down, honestly, life doesn't end. It can continue. There are activities outside. There are games to play outside. There are things to explore outside. There are even things to do inside. One of the things I love about my house, and I hope my grandkids will figure it out, it would be a great house for hide-and-seek. I have four basements. Four different sections of basements under my house. There's one you can only get through, through crawling through a window. And then it's actually another whole, it's where I'm going to store all my supplies for when the apocalypse comes. But, uh, you know, there's sort of those kinds of things in my house. And I think to the, to the grandkids, we're hoping they'll all be in this summer, to be able to say, go play hide and seek. There's always something to do. And I, what I've realized is that when a child says, I'm bored, what it usually means either, I'm unwilling to take the effort to do something that would break my boredom, or more likely, I lack the imagination, the perception, to think beyond what I'm doing at the moment. The reason why I thought about those two words is because it's probably two of the words that I hear about heaven that trouble me most. That when people look at heaven, that they think it's going to be boring. How many times have you heard unbelievers say something like, you know, I'd rather be with all my friends in hell than than spend boringness in heaven. And usually as they're thinking about that, they're thinking about as we've talked about, and if by the end of these messages you don't have this out of your mind, I have failed. But usually it's because we think about heaven or we've been taught about heaven that it's sort of this ethereal place that we sit on clouds and pluck harps and sing hymns and that's all we're going to do all day. Listen, if that was heaven, I'd be bored too and I'm not sure that's where I'd want to go. Yeah, that's not quite true. But that's not heaven. In fact, when we begin to understand what heaven is all about, when we begin to understand the eternity that God has prepared and that God has created, we can never imagine being born aboard. We can never imagine not having a new adventure or something new to explore, something new to see or something new to understand. I worry that we have such a wrong conception of heaven that we believe it would be boring in that way or even that somehow when we get to heaven, we'll know like God does in sort of an omniscient kind of way and there'll be nothing to learn, nothing 
thinking, where do you get that? That's not what scripture teaches. We have an amazing creative God. Why would his creativity stop as we move into eternity? We've talked about heaven, and as we've been discussing heaven, we've defined it this way, and we sort of built on it as we've moved through the weeks. We said eternity, and when I speak of heaven, that's what I mean. I don't just mean that place where we go when we die. That, that's how we misunderstand heaven. Rather, eternity is when God comes, remakes the heavens, remakes the earth, and dwells here. And that's what we live in in eternity. Eternity is a resurrected life. In a resurrected physical body, physical in ways we may not fully understand, but that's a real body, a spiritual body, a body that is made right for the spiritual experiences, the experience of being fully in tune with the Spirit of God forever. With a resurrected Christ that we'll look at next week, on a renewed, a recreated earth, And here's where we are this week, fulfilling an eternal mission. When we get to heaven, there'll be things to do. Yes, some of the things we talk about, running around and, you know, visiting our our family and visiting those that we've missed and visiting the Lord and spending time with him and, and all those kinds of things, yes. But there's also a purpose. God has a purpose for us. Not just here, but forever. And when we begin to understand that, the reason why it's so important to to interact with that in our thinking is because it keeps us from that idea of being so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. If you understand heaven, you understand that everything I do here is significant into eternity. Changes my perspective about the things that I'm doing, the ways that I act, the, the motivations of, of behind the, the, the choices that I make. In fact, to be fully, eternally minded is to be phenomenally productive in this temporal life. Now, in order to understand that, we need to understand and we need to ask one question and answer it. What are we going to do in heaven? And I don't know the full extent. I can't tell you. God has done and will do things that are far greater than anything we can even imagine. But it doesn't mean that we can't begin to imagine and begin to understand. And so what we begin to understand is that God has things planned for us that will last forever. And as we look at it this morning, this is what we come to understand, that God's plan is for his people to eternally reign and subdue his creation. Does that sound familiar? It should, because that's what started in Genesis chapter 1, when God started creation the first time. 
And God said, I've made these creatures. I've made these ones that are in my image. And I've given them a task. I want them to go out and I want them to use rightfully and purposefully that which I've created to bring glory, but to expand what I've created. God has made us as creators, not ex nihilo. We can't create out of nothing, but out of the resources that God gave to Adam and Eve. He called them to be productive, to live exciting lives, to never be bored. Now, as we think about that, the first thing we need to understand is that salvation is not simply about my forgiveness of sins. It is that. It's not simply about me dying and going to heaven. It is that. Until the Lord returns. But God's purpose, eternity, is that we might live out his creative purpose in our lives. That we might reign with him for all of eternity. Now, we talked about the fact that, that God is the ultimate sovereign. He's the one that creates it all. And in Revelation chapter 5 and then in Revelation chapter 22, I thought it probably wouldn't be a good idea this morning to read all of the passages between those two verses. But here is what it says, and it begins in, in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, lays down the fact that God is still sovereign. Despite all the struggles, besides all the difficulty, even in the midst of judgment and the, the messing up of the world, as we've done a great job in doing, God is still sovereign. And, and John writes, you were slain, and with your blood, you purchased men for, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then in Revelation 22, the throne of God, the evidence of his authority, the evidence of his reign, the throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their forehead. Again, another indication of authority over. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord will give them light and listen to the last phrase. And they, who's the they? Look at your, your, your pronouns. The ones who are of the Lamb. The ones who are Jesus' people. The ones that are God's people. And they will sing with harps for all of eternity, right? No. They have a purpose. They have significance. They reign forever. Again, we don't have time to go through the whole book of Revelation this morning. Aren't you glad? I, when I was in seminary, there was a guy that came. It was the most amazing thing. He came in over two chapels. Took two hours. By memory. He quoted the entire book of Revelation. It was astounding. Don't worry, not this morning. But we need to look at this. We need to understand that at the end, 
The book of Revelation, other places throughout Scripture, God's eternal rule is declared and reaffirmed. Nothing stops God from being the king of the universe. The second person of the Godhead is declared to be king of kings and lord of lords, and nothing will stop that. Not Satan and his minions, not my rebellion and my disobedience, nothing. God reigns and is sovereign. And that's what the beginning of the book of Revelation, as you get to to Revelation chapter 4 and 5 and 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, all the way through to chapter 18. God is in control. God is reigning. God is working out his purposes. Many times in ways we don't understand, but God is sovereign. But then as you get to chapter 19 and 20, 21 and 22, the theme changes. And the theme becomes God's people are invited to the renewed opportunity to reign with God. Now, I'm a premillennialist. I believe there will be a thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. And sometimes when you read in Isaiah and sometimes when you read in in the other prophets, you read about sort of a blending together of the millennial kingdom and the eternal kingdom. But whatever you are talking about after the return of Christ, we understand that God's people are invited to reign with him, to serve him, to take the gifts and the talents and the passions, and the experiences, and the, all that God has given us, and to use it to bring about amazing things beyond anything we can even imagine through God's gifts and provision. We've mentioned this, that God's original design for creation was here's the raw material. Now go have fun. One restriction, don't eat of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. Again, as I said last week, it was not an apple. But they thumbed their nose at God and said, we're going to do it our way. Now God knew that was going to happen. It didn't take him by surprise. And God had a greater and bigger purpose for humanity and creation beyond even what that original was. But the idea, the purpose that God designed those made in his image to rule and to co-reign with him began in Genesis and picks up again in Revelation. As you read in Revelation, this is God's restored design in his new creation. We talked last week that when we think about eternity, we need to think about a a real new heaven and new earth. There'll be real earth. There'll be real water. There'll be real plants. There'll be real culture. There'll be real kings. There'll be real nations. That's what Revelation tells us about. But all without the fall, all without the curse, all with the full potential that God desires for those that are a part of his creation. God invites us to be a part of that. Not just to float around in some ethereal soup. Be about what God's design is all about. 
And as you begin to think that through, one of the things that we need to understand, and here's where the application comes. Here's where all of that begins the hope. Yes, there's a hope and a knowledge. When I close my eyes on this life, I open them in a brand new reality. That when Jesus returns, he will remake the heavens. He will remake the earth. The new Jerusalem, the very presence of God will be in our midst. There is that hope. There is that certainty. But it also has an effect on how I live my life now. Because how I live my life now affects my eternity. I mentioned, it's my favorite line in, in the movie Gladiator. I mention it a lot. Because it is a theological truth. It's just too small where the general goes and he says to his troops, remember that what you do today echoes in eternity. There's an element of truth to that, but he misses the point because what God's word says is that what we do today shouts in eternity, grows in eternity, Our temporal life affects, our life now affects how we will co-reign with Christ in eternity. Our present faithfulness, faithful to what God has provided to us in terms of resources, in terms of relationships, in terms of talents and abilities, in terms of all that we are in our life experiences, our present faithfulness determines the scope, how much authority, how much of the reigning, how much of a position eternity. And that is all through Scripture. It was part of Jesus' teaching. When James and John came and said, we want to sit at your right and your left hand, he didn't say to them, how dare you want to do that? He said to them, how you live now will determine that. The passage that John read as he was beginning and reading through the scriptures there in Matthew tells us as in a parable form that those who are faithful over a little will be given much authority. Luke chapter 19 verses 15 and 19 where Jesus teaches a similar parable. He says of the one that The parable is about he was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your minas have earned ten more. Well done, good and faithful servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in very small matters. Notice the next phrase. Take charge of ten cities. Faithfulness now. Reigning in authority later. The second came and said, Sir, your minutes have earned five more. His master answered, You take charge over five cities. Do you know who gets condemned? The one who does nothing with what the master has given him. In fact, The master goes and says, take from him and give it to them, to the ones that were faithful. Now, 
as you read through scripture, you see that if you do this, then you get this. Sometimes it's dealing with crowns and it's dealing with the crowns that we're to have. Sometimes it speaks of direct authority. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, if we keep going, if we're consistent, if we're faithful. Um, you know, I don't do, I don't do uh, New Year's resolutions. What we've been doing for a number of years is um, the family. We pick a word and we kind of make that the focus that we want God to work on in our lives. And this, word, this year I use the word constancy. To be constant in what God calls me to do. Notice the if. If we do those things, if we're faithful, what will we do? Then we will reign with him. Be faithful even to the point of death. And I will give you the crown of life. There, it may be the crown of authority or it may be the crown of honor. We're going to do the Olympics in just a few weeks. And they'll receive the gold medals. Well, in the Olympics and the Greeks, they received crowns, laurels. It may mean either one. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that... No one will take your crown from you. To him over who overcome, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down at my father, on my father's throne. Do you notice the conditional nature of those statements? Now it's not speaking of salvation. My salvation is certain and sure and guaranteed and purchased, and I am redeemed, and I am reconciled fully when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Period. End of sentence. Stop. No more needs to be said about my relationship with God in terms of its eternality and its constancy. But how I will reign? Proximity to the Lord, the, the kinds of responsibility God will give eternity, God says, be faithful now. And the more faithful we are now, the more God will trust us with in eternity. I don't know what that's going to look like. Maybe it'll be authority over cities. There are cities in, in the new heaven and new earth. Maybe it'll be authority over nations. Maybe it'll be authority over quadrants within the galaxy. I don't know. But I know this, the more faithful I am to what God has called me to do, not in comparison to you. A friend of mine who was a professor of Greek in one of the seminaries had a woman who came and took a Greek class who was mentally challenged and did not have the, the ability to really understand the Greek language. But my professor had her come in, and it was a, a course, and she took the course. And at the end of the course, as he handed out the name, I mean, handed out the papers for the test, she wrote her name in Greek. Do you know what she got as a grade? A plus. 
Because for that woman, it wasn't a competition against all the others in the class. It was how faithful she was to her own abilities and skills. And that professor said, well done, good and faithful student. You're not running against me. I'm not running against you. It's whether we're faithful to the course that God has set before us. And those that are, God says, you can't imagine what I have for you. It doesn't mean there's not struggles. It doesn't mean this is easy. It doesn't mean there aren't times I have to grit it out. It doesn't mean any of that. But it's the encouragement that if we remain faithful, God responds. Now, when I was a kid, there was one verse that used to really bother me. It's the verse that talks about that we take our crowns and throw them at Jesus' feet. I always wondered, well, if I do that, why do I even have the crown? Because I'm getting rid of it. And then I realized it's a total misunderstanding of the passage. You see, when you read the passage, the passage is found in Revelation chapter 4. And I want you to notice the very first word. What's the very first word? Whenever. Whenever. Each time, every time the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who live on the throne. They lay their crowns before the throne. They they throw their crowns before the throne. But then they pick them up so they can do it again next time. There's that constancy It's not just that God will say, well done. Yes, he will. But there's that place that we reign, that that wonderful opportunity. I know this may sound like bad news, but we're going to be working in heaven. But it'll be wonderful. It'll be like me when I'm working to fish. Those words seem antithetical against each other. I really love fish. I love studying God's word. I get paid for it. That's my work. Imagine if all of our work could be like that. All of our work could be that thing we just love and enjoy and are thrilled to be about. And even the challenges make us more excited about the task. You see, that's the second part of the teaching of God's word. Our personality, our gifting, our passions, all of those things, who we are, who God has made us in this temporal life, determines not the scope, not how much authority, but the areas of our responsibility and service. The things we love to do is what God will call us to do for all of eternity. There's this incredible verse, Revelation chapter 14. You notice a lot of Revelation verses here. Where he's looking at those that have gathered together and he says, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labors. There is a time of rest. There is a time of waiting. But then he goes on to say, 
For their deeds will follow them. Their works will follow them. I think it means, yes, in terms of accountability and reward and and, and authority, yes. But I think it means their deeds, their uniquenesses. We have a new heaven and a new earth to take what we love to do and do it. Do you love engineering? I think there'll be engineers in heaven. Do you love taking care of animals? We know there'll be new animals on the new heaven and new earth. Do you love astronomy? Not astrology. That won't be there. But you love astronomy? Imagine going there. Do you love history? I love history. Every time I read the scriptures, my mind says, I just wish I could sit down with Abraham or with Moses or with Peter or with Paul and find out exactly what happened. We will. Do you love teaching? There's an opportunity to teach in eternity. Preaching. Theology. God says, the things we love, how he has created us to be, he's creating a new heaven and a new earth where he dwells for us to enjoy that forever. It's not a boring place. It's a place of ultimate fulfillment. Now, if you are a musician and we want to sing on clouds for all of eternity... You won't. There'll be many other things, but that's part of it. You love music? How about sitting down with with Bach? How about sitting down with Handel? How about sitting down with Chris Tomlin? Saying, tell me how to write. Why will that stop? Their deeds will follow us. Our works follow us into eternity. Now, some of you are going to say, wait a minute, Keith. How can we be teaching if we know everything? How can we be theology if we see God? That's the, that's the thing about heaven. Heaven is not static. Heaven is constantly, eternally expanding. The new heaven and new earth is this brand new reality. Eternity is an eternally expanding experience. That's why we will never be bored. Now, I know some take the passage in, in 1 Corinthians that talks about, or 2 Corinthians, we look in a mirror darkly, but when you know, he turns, we'll, be able, we'll see all things. The, word, the idea there is not that we'll know everything, but that what we know, we will know clearly. The problem with mirrors at that day was they were so distorting. They were, bra- they were copper, and they were shined, and they were made as best they could, but you look into a copper mirror, you're going to look jauntous. It was never quite clear. And so what what Paul is saying is there's a coming a day that everything we see, we'll see clearly. We'll know it accurately. But we're not going to be like God when we get to heaven and know everything. There'll always be more to learn. How do I know that? God says that, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we, who with unfailed faces, 
all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with how long? Ever increasing glory. Which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. That's our spiritual reality. Or Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming, notice the plural, ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. There'll always be more to learn. There'll always be more to understand. There'll always be more to be taught. There'll always be more to proclaim. There will never be a time when we are bored. And God says, begin now being faithful. So that when I begin there, I begin at a place that is great. And only becomes greater. Now some of you are worried. We talked about this. We had book club on Thursday. Will there be books in heaven? I found a wonderful verse. It's Malachi chapter 3 verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. And the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in um, in his presence. Concerning those who feared the Lord. Yes, it may be a scroll. I don't know. We've learned different ways to express it. But there's always more to read about. Always more to learn. God says be faithful now. And it will never be lost. Last week I read out of the Chronicles of Narnia. And I told you how much I liked the last book. The last battle. C.S. Lewis had an ability in the images and the metaphors that are found in the Chronicles of Narnia. If you've never read them, read them. Look for all the places where theology comes through. But I love the last paragraph of the last battle. All of the characters that existed in the book are now together and they're standing together and Aslan, the lion who represents God, comes in their midst. And as he's speaking about eternity, he turns to them and says this. The school term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen are that, I'm sorry, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that we all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their lives in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been, and I love this, the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning 
now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Beloved, eternity is an eternal experience, ever-increasing, of an infinite God with infinite wisdom. We begin now to establish how we will reign with Christ. A reign that will constantly expand, that begins by faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that is established in terms of its character in our faithfulness, and will expand forever. That's not boring. Father, thank you for what we find in this passage. Help us to be those who live out the reality of your promises, of your faithfulness in our lives. Father, it begins by our relationship with you through your son, and as we do each Sunday morning, we invite anyone who isn't certain of that relationship to come and to speak to me or someone else about that truth so that they may be certain that eternity with you is theirs. Father, remind us, those who hold on to that hope, that all we do echoes, shouts in eternity. We pray that your spirit would teach us what it means to walk faithfully to you. Father, we pray that your spirit would encourage us to continue that faithfulness, knowing that all we do to your honor and glory will be eternally significant. We ask it all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.